and welcome to another episode of the Live Immediately podcast with Mike Campbell. Thank you so much for listening. This is where I have conversations with people who are living life on their own terms. We dive into those big moments that have pushed them through the fears and self-limiting beliefs that hold so many of us back. Now you've got that love of traveling, always trying to grab every opportunity to get away and explore. You could say that travel is part of your DNA. And then you start a family, you become a parent, and you push that traveling spirit aside and try not to listen to it every time it starts to get a little restless. Well, in this episode, I'm chatting with a couple, Megan and Peter Richardson, who didn't push their adventurous spirit aside, they embraced it with their young family. Megan and Peter, they hopped on a plane for a year-long family adventure through Europe and Southeast Asia with a four-month-old and a -a two-and-a-half-year-old. The majority of their planning for this trip happened while Megan was pregnant. I just can't believe that. It's unbelievable. Megan and Peter hit the road on a budget. They were frugal and saved before their trip. And to save money while traveling, they saved on accommodation by house and pet sitting. They talk about how your travels are so much richer when your house and pet sit, more than simply saving money. We dive into their initial fears, how they overcame them, and moved from traveling being an idea or a wish and taking steps in planning their family adventure. And the big step of asking Pete's boss for a year off. Megan and Peter are a beautiful example that our kids don't stop us from doing things. As parents, we get in our own way. Kids are born with wonder. Lead them through an adventurous life. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Megan and Peter. Megan and Peter, welcome to the Live Immediately podcast. How are you both? Yeah, we're going well. Thanks so much for having us. Oh, thanks for coming on. And I really wanted to have you guys on the podcast today. And, and we are recording on a Saturday morning. And I know you, you're juggling two little ones over there. So thank you for kind of carving out a little bit of time for me here today. But I, um, I wanted to have you both on the podcast as you're a, a young family that has recently returned from a year-long family adventure around Europe and Southeast Asia. And you went traveling with your kids and you did house and pet sitting to save on accommodation. And when my wife Inga sent me your story, I was like smiling so much because I was like reading this story about this family that did something so similar to what Inga, Andy and I did just a couple of years ago. So I'm really excited to kind of jump into this conversation with you today, just to kind of see how your experience was. And and, and obviously I'm so close to that as well because I kind of, had that experience as well. But to start off today, I want to go back to the beginning. How did the initial idea of traveling come about? Um, It was something that we'd been wanting to do for a long time, you know, have a little gap year. But a little while ago, Peter and I were chatting about whether we wanted to have kids. And to be honest, it was a bit of a an odd compromise. Pete wanted to have a baby. I wanted to go travel. And we made the decision to have a baby. But we said, we've still got to make this happen at some point. So kind of a few years passed, we didn't think about it a lot. And then suddenly this desire sprung up in us again. And we thought, well, maybe it's going to happen soon. So originally we were going to go and hopefully work. We're both teachers. And we thought maybe we can head over, um, do a bit of work um, 
Yeah, but it turns out that you can't get a working visa, you know, the easy one to get when you have kids. So, um, and the other options, the other visa options are going to be really expensive. So we decided that we would just use the money that we would have spent on getting a visa to just travel around instead. Yeah, and obviously, yeah. We'd always had it in mind, so we'd been saving for a couple of years. So we had a bit of money off to the side and we thought, well, why not? Mm. He um, talked to his principal and said, oh, what would you think about me going and working in the UK for a year? And the principal was on board. And then a bit later on when it was getting a bit complicated, he went back and said, oh, we're just thinking of travelling now. Can I still have the year off? And he was still cool, so we went ahead with it. So there are a few things there that I kind of want to dive deep into. Yeah. And... The, the first one, I guess, let's let's go to you, Peter, about actually asking your, your principal or your employer for some time off. And and sometimes we kind of get stuck on when, when people want to do a big trip like this and they're like, but I'm working. I don't mm. want to quit my job, so I guess I just can't go. But you actually ask the question, and I think that's an important point because without asking, you actually don't know what the answer is going to be. Yeah. Yeah, there's... There's no harm in asking and being told no. Um, now, obviously, you're not going to ask if you've been working at a place for six months or a year or even probably two years. So I've been at my workplace for five or so years. Um, and I thought, look, I knew my principal quite well. and I, I knew that he, he actually likes travel himself. Um, and I thought, yeah, this is something he'd be supportive of. Uh, but regardless, you can ask and mm. if you're told no, then so be it kind of thing. But, but in, in a sense, if you're told no, you then have to kind of figure out another way, which is which is what you guys did when you were told, no, you can't get the visas. And that's the other thing where I guess in the back of your mind, you were like, well, the way that we're going to be able to travel is to still bring in an income. And the way that we're going to bring in an income is to be teachers overseas. But then when that was pulled away from you, you could have gone, oh, well, I guess that that dream of wanting to travel as a family is yeah. now over. But for, for you guys, you then figured out another way. Yeah, and you know what? I think this way was way better as well, not being kind of in one place and getting to do so many things and Pete being um, at home all the time mm. with us. Yeah, way better. And that was also one thing I found when, when we were travelling, you know, because I was always out at work when I was here in Australia and, you know, you don't get to see the family as much. But then having that entire year with our daughter Andy, and I'm yeah. sure as, as you felt too, Pete, it's mm. just, it's pretty special. Yeah. Like if people ask me what was my favorite place or the favorite thing I did, um, I mean, we saw lots of really cool things and did lots of, lots of cool things, but it was ultimately the, the time of the family, mm. uh, which was really unique. Um, yeah. I'd normally probably spend an hour a day with the kids before they go down to bed. Um, but having that whole year with them, um, Especially in, in early in their lives when they're mm. still learning. Like Killian, our, our little boy, was four months old when we left. Wow. And so to spend that first that first year, so many different developmental kind of stages. and Right. So let's just back this up a little bit. So you, how, how old were your kids? Four months and how old was your other? Yeah. Yeah, so Elena, our oldest daughter, was um, two or two almost. Half. Two and a half. Yeah. yeah wow. So a four-month-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old, just a, an hour plane trip to Queensland can sound daunting with kids <laughs> age. Yeah. But you guys are travelling for the year. Um, but I'm just trying to do the, the math here because unless you guys are super organised, you didn't plan this trip in three months. Uh, oh, no. Yeah. So we, yeah, while, while I was still pregnant with Killian, we were 
planning and getting a house sort of ready to go but not quite yet because we didn't know you know like you just never know when you birth a baby if everything's going to be okay so there was that sort of um element of doubt but we were getting most of the stuff that we could ready that was when I was looking at all the visa stuff Mm. and yeah and then sorry to interrupt there Megan I just just want to get this kind of timeline right for everybody so had you guys had this idea before you were pregnant with your second child Oh, yeah. Um, yes and no. As in, it had been an idea before we were pregnant, but it wasn't until I was probably, uh, um, until probably the year before that we started really seriously thinking mm. about it. And, um, then, and then, but then everything's really happening while you're pregnant. Yeah. So it was probably only six months before that we really said, yes, we're going to do this. And then, yeah. <laughs> and and so I, I'm just... <laughs> I'm just amazed at this, that, that whilst you're pregnant, you're like, yeah, I'm just going to have this baby and then we're just going to go traveling for a year. Yeah, I think it sounds a lot easier when you don't have the baby, you know? <laughs> wow. Um, that's that's so impressive. I, I, I love that. But was there, you know, how did you move past that idea phase? You said that, you know, you guys were talking about it for maybe six months to a year before you're pregnant. So, and then the pregnancy of nine months, there's, there's kind of like maybe 18 months that you guys are, are making this decision, maybe two years before the idea. And then you actually get on the plane, but how did you move from sitting around the kitchen table going, wouldn't it be lovely if we could go traveling to actually taking some action and making that dream a reality? Like a, I think probably the, the one thing was when I actually had that conversation with my principal because ultimately it came down to my work and if he had have said no, we would have had to really make a decision of whether we were going to do it still and I was going to come back to no no job, which with the mortgage and other things happening, that, that's a bit more scary and a bigger, bit of a bigger deal. Um, so after that conversation and he was supportive, that's when things really got rolling pretty quickly, I think. And was, was there a moment when you went you know what this is actually going to happen uh, i don't know <laughs> um yeah I don't, I don't know again maybe after <laughs> after him saying yes and we kind of looked at our finances thought we can do this we, and i think um, um, when we told our families and they they're sort of shocked and disbelief that we'd do such a thing with you know a small baby and a toddler in a mortgage and I think it's not possible but and then ultimately when you book that first flight I yeah. think the, yes that's the moment where you, where you can't easily turn around you can but yeah I do remember that actually sharing with our families that we just booked the flight on Facebook and um I think just suddenly the ball dropped for them as well being like oh they're actually because yeah. it was a one-way ticket <laughs> as well <laughs> and I guess that like telling the family and, and it's not just, hey, guys, we're going to go traveling for a year. You're in a sense saying, you know what, we want to do something really different. And mm. even though we've just had a little baby and we've got great jobs and we've got a mortgage, we actually kind of want to roll the dice and, and really be living. How did they take yeah. all that? Uh, they are different responses, mostly excitement, though. Um, there was a bit of sadness that we were kind of taking their grandchildren away for our, for my, our parents. But I think um, a lot of my side of the family is very adventurous anyway and have done similar things and, yeah, they were really excited for us. Um, yeah, and, and my side <laughs> grew excited over time, would say. Yeah, yeah. Were, this, um, for them it's their first grandchildren and <laughs> whereas my family there's like eight on, yeah, eight at the moment and growing. Yeah. 
So for us, it was a bit like, but they're our only grandchildren. And, <laughs> and you, you spoke to earlier, Peter, about, you know, wanting to do the trip. So you had a little bit of money saved mm. uh, to the side. And, and that, I guess that's one thing too. Like once you make this decision that this is what you want to do, you start kind of changing the way that you live and, and you kind of become a little bit more frugal. Was was yeah. that was that a hard that, adjustment for you, or was it something that you were you were very mindful of, knowing that hey, if we want to make this happen, we've got to make some other changes. Um, to be honest, it wasn't a big adjustment for us because we've always been pretty careful with our money, and we've always kind of budgeted to a certain extent, and been quite thoughtful in that way. And so, when we'd made that decision, the the money saving process started. We 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 saved for two years basically. Um, and so it wasn't a big adjustment, but you had to be really careful in regards to that. Yeah. So we, we just actually bought a house the year before we left and, um, you know, how like you buy a house and you want to fill it with things and put pictures on the walls and, but every picture that I wanted to put on the wall was going to cost money that we would want to use on our travels. So our house was kind of felt kind of bare for that year. <laughs> well, so that's, a, that's another thing too. So like, cause Inga and I, we had a, um, our home and we, uh, had a mortgage and all of that kind of stuff. And I think similar to you guys, we rented it out. Um, but I guess for us, we'd had our home for, I think maybe, what, five years before we'd gone. You guys had just, the paint had just dried for you, for yeah. you guys. Yeah. And how, like, how was that? Like, just kind of, you know, you it's a big thing in Australia. Like, you save up your money, you, you buy a home um, and you have a family and then you guys all right, let's let's get someone yeah. in there and kind of go, let's head overseas. Well, we knew that this house would be here for us when we came back. And to be honest, buying a house was never one of my dreams, but going traveling was mm. and is. <laughs> and has that been like, you know, when we have kids, sometimes we have to hang our, our dreams up in the closet. Yeah, I think uh, we feel like we have to. <laughs> but is, 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 is this a conscious thing now for you guys to go, you know, what What are those things that we've always wanted to do? What are those things and how do we want to live life? And let's not let our kids get in the way, but let's take our kids on that beautiful life that we have in our mind. Is, is that kind of your mentality? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, definitely. We, um, we, we don't want to let the, let the kids stop us from doing things. But more than that, we want to see – like we want to spend quality time with the kids in challenging environments, in different locations, in different cultures, because it's more than just seeing things, but it's learning those sorts of lessons that you do only when you're outside. Mm. And, and what kind of, you know, speaking of lessons, what, what lessons did you learn whilst traveling with kids about yourself? Hmm. Um, I think we learned to take it slowly, but, you know, you know this anyway, but you know, you don't often attempt big things with kids because we we're overseas. We wanted to go into the sightseeing and everything, but we learned pretty quickly that you can't do everything with kids. Um, there's a lot of things that you do have to give up, but you just do different things. So instead of going like bungee jumping, not that I'd ever do that, but um, Pete maybe <laughs> we would, you know, be going to the the botanical gardens or something and running around with them. You know, just changes. The things I think. That you do. I think we learned to. Um... Uh, like show initiative a bit more and deal with difficult circumstances just on the spot because like we came across a lot of different things where we had to just manage it um, and lots of hard times but when it's just us you just deal with that and mm. so I think that was a big lesson for us. And what, what were some of those challenging hard times? Oh so 
uh, a few things surrounding our, our car. So when we got over there, we thought the best the best way to go around Europe and UK, and particularly with house sitting, because often houses are in kind of suburban locations or even rural, we needed a car. So we, we tried to buy a car and we did eventually, but that was, that was a bit of a process as a as, as Australians without a permanent address, it's quite difficult to buy a car in UK. Um, and so, yeah, traveling a, across kind of London and England, trying to find a car without having a car to get to locations and dealing with um, mechanical things and breakdowns in all sorts of places. Once Peter had taken, <laughs> taken the kids out to the park so that I could have a bit of time to myself and the car broke down, like the clutch went. And so he was kind of stranded in this unknown town next to this playground with both kids. Killy was about six months, needed breastfeeding. Anyway, it was a bit of a – that was one of the, the dramas. Our car had quite a few dramas over the time. But the kids don't worry because they just get to spend all this time at the park. Yeah, exactly. Oh, totally, yeah, yeah. That's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. You, you mentioned house-sitting there. Mm. How did, how did house-sitting come about for you guys? Yeah, so um, – after we decided that this is what we want to do, we want to travel, uh, we thought, well, we've got only so much money and we know this will last us maybe six months. Um, and so I did some research to think, oh, how can we make that money last longer? And we knew one of the, the big costs of traveling is accommodation. So I just looked up online. I, I kind of looked at ways to save on accommodation and there was a bunch of different things which came up and one of them being house sitting was a yeah, really popular thing in England and in UK. And so we thought, well, let's go for this. And what sites did you guys use? So we used one called Trusted House Sitters. Yeah. Uh, we, we decided just to do everything in that one site. Um, and, yeah, that worked well for us. Yeah, we used Trusted House Sitters as well. And I think our other one was um, uh, housecarers.com or something yeah. like that. Um, yeah. yeah, it's really interesting. And so then for you guys, like when you were traveling – how how long were you spending in each place usually? Um, it was about each house sit was roughly two weeks. We had one that was a month long, and then in between house sits, we'd do Airbnb, which could range from like three days to a week, most likely. And how were you, how were you piecing together? <laughs> that? It was a jigsaw. Pete did all this. Yeah, so it was, it's tough, isn't it? Because you got to. We wanted to ideally do house sits. Um, but that didn't always fall into place exactly in time. And so we'd leave it probably till the last two weeks before then we looked at booking an Airbnb accommodation if we didn't have anything. Mm-hmm. So it was very much last minute um, as we go. And so it was just about fitting in house sits where we could and then Airbnb in between and traveling across predominantly UK as we did that. And yeah, first, yeah. No, sorry, sorry, Megan. Oh, no, the first six months was the UK, but it was actually quite good. We didn't have very huge gaps in between house sits. We had quite a lot, like about maybe four and a half months of house sitting in that six months, and then we volunteered at a Christian campsite for um, five weeks of that as well. So, Oh, that's a good idea as well, isn't it? Kind yeah. of saving money that way. Yeah, mm. yeah. It was Like we didn't do it to save money, but that was one of the, the benefits definitely. But that was one of our favourite experiences as well. And so I just want to kind of go back to this house sitting because I'm, I'm really intrigued because when we did it, our big thing was we, we wanted things only longer than a month. 
and we were we were trying to get like three months and four months that was our we wanted to really kind of immerse ourselves and also with um with Inga's business that we could kind of take on the road with this you know it's the setting up of the computer and all of that kind of stuff so it's not um you know she has a huge iMac that she's an illustrator but um so for us it was it was in a, in a sense a little bit challenging because we could only go where those big ones were yeah. um, and it was sometimes hard to to get those big ones because either people want them because they're writing a book and they just want to stay in one place um, or some people can't have them because they just like the smaller ones um, but for us once we had got a big one uh, I had a little bit of time to find where the next big one was because we didn't know when we first went over to America, we were in this like small town of 37 people in the North woods of Wisconsin. And we didn't know where our next house it was going to be until we kind of found it. Um, But for you guys, it's like, okay, we're here for two weeks Mm. and then you got to find something else. And that's it. Yeah. Like before leaving home in in Australia, we'd, I think we'd, maybe booked up about four different houses. Oh, that's great. Which was really good. And they were all the longer ones because they're people that are organised, you know, mm. they're going overseas for two weeks. And and so that first house sit that you got, that must have been quite exciting because for us yeah. that first house sit was the moment where, you know, that like when I asked like what, what's that moment when you realise, okay, this yeah. is actually happening. For us it was getting that first house sit locked in. That's when we knew all of this kind of year-long planning was kind of coming about. Yeah. What yeah. was it like for you guys getting that first house sit? I was, yeah, I was thinking about this just earlier. It was such an amazing feeling. So we had it locked in and then we went out to visit these people. It was in um, in a little suburb called Prior's Hardwick. It's in Oxfordshire. And so with most house sits, we'd go out the day or two before and meet the family. Um, and so we went out and just, yeah, through this quaint little kind of village, with rolling hills, and then we saw this, this it was about an 18th century house, some parts of it, and it was just amazing. I remember seeing it for the first time and thinking, wow, this is, we're actually going to be staying in this house for free. Um, yeah, it was a huge house and just lots of historical value and just, yeah, it was pretty crazy. But isn't that the, the beautiful thing about, like, travelling and house-sitting is that you experience your travel experience is so different to what it would be just oh, yeah. in, you know, hotels and things. Yeah. At this, so much better. <laughs> at this particular house and little village, one of the strong memories I have is um, going to a hunt. Um, and so... You know, a proper English hunt with mm-hmm. the hounds and the horses. And... Yeah, they'd release, release the, the dogs to chase the... It was, it was a fox, I think. Yeah, and they'd, they'd all, all the village would come in, and they they all get dressed up, and they'd ride along on their horses chasing the dogs, and they'd sip on kind of wine. Horse, no, horse. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and they invited us along. They're like, "Come along and experience this." And but it, but isn't that a nice thing though? Like I, I found too when house sitting, the community there because they know the people that probably lived in the home, and they've said, "Hey, these Australian families going to be looking after our home for a month." Yeah. Um, you know, make them feel welcome and, and people do. Yeah, yeah, it was lovely. We got invited over for tea and fruitcake at one of the neighbours and, yeah. And did you have any um, interesting house sits? 
We had one in South Wales. Um, it was a farm and it had, you know, a whole bunch of animals, cows, sheep, like geese and things, but it also had seven house cats, oh. <laughs> <laughs> which was, were not cat people at all, you know. We, so that was interesting. <laughs> yeah, we had, we had a home. Uh, there was, I think there was like four or five house cats in, a, in quite a small suburban home, which was yeah. um, quite interesting. Yeah. But um, but that's it adds to the flavour, doesn't it? And it adds to yeah. the story. And, yeah. and without those house hits, we we don't get to do what we want to do. But you also mentioned earlier, Megan, about slowing down and doing things at a slower pace. Yeah. How did you How did you think that that benefited your your travel experience? Um, I think that you just got to focus on what was important. So being with the family was what why we were doing it. Um, obviously they were all like really cool places to see, but yeah, if we were, if we were so focused on seeing everything, then we wouldn't get to do what we really want to do, which is just, you know, hang out together and be together as a family. You know what I mean? Mm. So it's interesting though, that we've got to travel across the globe so we can slow down and spend time with our family. Oh, that was one of the great things about it because here we, our lives are just so busy and busy in a great way. Like we've got some like really great friends and our families are nearby and we love seeing them. But every weekend is full and pizza work during the week. But when we're over there, we've just had nothing. And that was bad sometimes, but I really miss that because every weekend was free. Every day was a weekend. We didn't have anything pressing on our time. It's really interesting that you bring that up because that's something that Inga and I found as well. It wasn't so much that... Um, we were traveling and seeing new sites. It was that you just didn't have this diary that mm. was controlling you. And like you, you know, we've got beautiful family and beautiful friends that we love seeing. And for me too, like if I kind of go a, you know, a couple of weekends without seeing my friends, I start to get really agitated, mm. but it was really nice to kind of just slow down and spend that time as a family and kind of going, okay, great. What is that little adventure that we're going to do this weekend and kind of get out and about? Yeah, and have you have you tried to bring a little bit of that back home with you? Ah, uh, we've tried, but it's just almost impossible. You know, there's mm. always things on and things that you feel like you can't say no to. We do, yeah. We want to really, we really like camping, and so I think that's a, a small glimpse of, I don't know, I guess that that's really quality time together. You're away mm. from technology, away from life, and uh, different things, and so we we try to. Do that a couple of times a year. I remember um, just kind of on the, the, the camping idea. I remember uh, listening to a podcast. I cannot remember it, so I do apologize for everyone. I won't be able to link to it in the show notes. But um, this person was kind of talking about that they, they loved kind of camping with their family. And one thing that, you know, they used to only do it in school holidays and they would always be waiting for the school holidays to kind of go on these, you know, four days or whatever kind of little camping trips. And then what they decided to do was go, you know what, we want to see how many nights that we can have in the tent each year. And so it wasn't about just these big camps. They would kind of go away maybe on a Friday night camping or or just on like a weekend or let's just kind of pitch the tents up in the backyard. And it was just this, that mentality shift of really just trying to sprinkle in those little things throughout the year instead of just the big holidays, um, which is really interesting. I want to kind of dive into your fears because 
I really want to like through this this chat, I, I want to really encourage people to kind of do the things that you guys have done. But what seems to stop a lot of people uh, are these fears and these internal fears. Mm-hmm. For you, before you left, what what was the biggest fear? I think, yeah, one of the biggest fears, I think maybe you're speaking for Megan here as well particularly, is being away from family and friends and how we'd respond to that, especially family. Um, as you said, and, yeah, we're really close to family and so, yeah, would we be okay being away and not seeing them for an extended period of time? That's probably one of the big fears. And also losing that support network that you have when you have little kids. You know, no babysitters, no – I always call my mum when, like, one of the kids is sick because I'm like, they've got this weird thing, what do I do? <laughs> so not having that was a bit scary. Um, I guess health concerns potentially. And so being in a foreign country, particularly when we're in – Europe for a few months, like Italy and France and non-English speaking countries, um, if something goes wrong, being able to deal with that. Uh, I love it that your baby coughed on cue there, you're talking about. <laughs> They're both a little bit crook at the moment. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's interesting, you, you know, like you guys had a, like a four-month-year-old baby, mm. you know, like here in Australia, like do they still do the blue book? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah actually that's good that you bring that up because that was probably my main fear. Like how do I get him vaccinated in a different country? But it actually all really worked out because I managed to get his six months done in England and they have a pretty similar schedule, but they did our schedule for me. And then I think the next one is the one year, which we just delayed because we were in Europe and I just had no idea how I was going to do that in a non, you know, they speak English, but I didn't know what their vaccination schedule was. So yeah, so that worked out. And he, we didn't really get sick either during the year. Our daughter gets croup a lot, but um, we had a couple of hospital visits because of that. But, yeah, overall, any fears we had were not – they didn't really come to light in one sense. 100%, I think, and that's the point that I, I really want to kind of get across to everyone is often these these things that can sometimes stop us from doing things actually don't end up happening yeah, um, I think they're, they're drummed up in our minds a lot, but in reality, reality, they're manageable. They're not that big. And so we had this one hilarious. Sorry, just talking about um, you know, and stuff. We one night we thought Elena was in bed, but she was actually playing in our room at one of our house sits, and she'd eaten a whole packet of my contraceptive pills, <laughs> and we went up, saw the empty packet. <laughs> Elena, where are the where are all the pills? And she's like, I don't know. I didn't know. And eventually came to the conclusion that she'd eaten them all. And so I was on the phone to poison control saying, is this bad? She just had the whole packet and it's fine, just so you know. But <laughs> well, she, she probably started on the sugar ones and was like, these are delicious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She, she was acting pretty crazy, rolling, well, rolling like, about and just being a bit off herself. And we're like, oh, no, what's wrong? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I've never heard of that before, but that is a classic. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're kind of going back to like these fears that, that, that don't kind of happen. What was like, what was the biggest thing that you thought would be difficult, but it wasn't. And then what was the biggest challenge that you hadn't kind of thought about? Does <laughs> uh, that, does that question make sense? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so in terms of the separation from family and friends, um, like the internet, Facebook Messenger, Skype, these things are great for communicating with people. 
And so we found that even though we were away for a year, we were regularly talking over video to our friends in Australia and we didn't really feel that far disconnect, uh, yeah, disconnected from them. Um, so yeah. that, yeah, that was one way we dealt with that. In terms of the challenge that we, the unexpected challenge, I think that um, we've talked a lot about how good it was to be all together all the time, but that was actually one of the hardest things as well. Suddenly, especially in the first kind of six months, we just weren't used to being together all the time, especially me and Pete. So I'm used to him going off to work, having kind of my own routine, my own domain at home, and then suddenly he's here all the time and we've just we've never had so much time together ever, like ever. And I found that really hard. Just suddenly I'm like, I don't want to hang out with you all the time. Can you just leave me alone? We have to talk. And we really had to work out how to manage that because it wasn't, there was a time that was kind of hard for us, but we had to just figure out ways to kind of yeah, be, think, be friends again. And <laughs> As a whole, the year was really great for our relationship, our marriage. Because it was hard, I think. Yeah, because we went through these, we learned a lot about each other. We learned, yeah, good ways to connect. Like we found each, each night we were um, planning what was ahead. And so we're always on our phones looking at Airbnb or house sitting and things to do or fights to book, whatever it might be. And so we set up a date night where once a week we wouldn't have phones. Um, on a Saturday night we'd watch a movie together or have dessert or do something special without actually going out. Um, and that was amazing. We, you know, we try to keep that going now because of what we learned through that. Away. It's, it's interesting, those things that you don't think about. Like, and it's so funny that you guys bring up that because one of my big things about traveling was to spend all of this time with our daughter, Andy. And it was a huge shock to me because the, in like the first kind of four months, because she was like my shadow, like from the moment she was up to the moment she went to bed, she was there. And I, I was like, where is my time? Like, where's my time? Um, and it was a really, it was a big adjustment until I was just like, you know what? Instead of kind of thinking that she's part of my shadow, just let her become part of me. And we just, we just did things, you know, Inga was really good too. Cause obviously she wanted to spend time with Andy and, uh, you know, she would kind of take it for a little bit because, but Inga was like working a lot during the day, um, yeah. whilst we were over there and I was kind of then doing the business side at night, but, um, yeah, it was a big, a big adjustment. But when you, before you, you travel, you're like, of course, that's not going to be an issue. That's why we're doing this. We want to yeah. spend all this time together, but it's, um, yeah, interesting. Yeah. yeah it was definitely mm -hmm. a, my biggest challenge, I think, but you know, only for the first six months and we worked it out and then it was great. Mm. And I, found, I also found it hard to be away from people because, like, I'm used to just kind of being able to be like, oh, I've, I've, we've got a friend coming over, the kids will play together, it helps our day pass the time. But, and, you know, you've got, you've got things in your life at home that help, help your week pass quickly. But, yeah, when you're overseas, even just finding a local playground is hard. You know, you have to Google it and they're not as easy to find as you think they should be. And we always had to think of something to do. Mm. And how long have you guys been home now? About eight months. We got back just before Christmas last year. And how was that readjustment? <laughs> uh, it was a lot easier than we thought it'd be. <laughs> it, was a, it was a crazy time. It was just before Christmas. We'd quickly got back into a house with no furniture and we <laughs> were trying to buy presents. And It was a crazy couple of weeks, but it was really good to have 
because uh, I'm a school teacher, I didn't get back until towards the end of January. So we had those few weeks together to settle back in. Um, and then, yeah, like you quickly adjust back to normal life. Yeah, you just slide back in. And I think part of it was that a lot of people would be like, oh, how was your trip? Good, it was good. And then it was just back to normal as mm. if you never left. So, <laughs> And what, what aspects of travelling life have you brought back to your daily life? Um, I don't know that. I don't know. I think it's just the... Um, the lessons we've learned in regards to um, yeah, various aspects of life. I think we learned a lot about communication, about um, so with house sitting, you really have to communicate well with, with the, the people, spend time with them and get to know them. And so that kind of put us out of our comfort zone at first, but I think we learned a lot through that. We, um, we are Christian, so we go to church regularly and – Overseas, we made it a priority to go to church, and we found that we had people being so hospitable to us. You know, um, we'd we'd arrive at a church and they'd hear our story and be like, "Oh, you're only here for the week. Why don't you come around for lunch this mm. week?" It was such a great way to have a bit of community, and we just I think that we learnt a lot from that, from people being really kind and wel- welcoming to us, and we want to do that as well. well and, and I think too that's probably what helped you. You know, maybe not miss your family as much because you had that community of people kind of like being loving and supportive and and all of those kinds of things yeah definitely yeah uh, that is so beautiful guys i've got one final question though and it's one that i do ask all of my guests and you guys can answer this one individually or as a couple it's up to you but if if you could please describe your perfect day <laughs> um i would lie in bed and have croissants brought by my children. (laughs) I would, I don't know. I have no idea what my perfect day looks like. (laughs) Perfect day. Um, Does it have to include my children? (laughs) Whatever you like. (laughs) I think I'd just lie in bed and read a book all day. I feel like I should be including my children in my perfect day, though. <laughs> I've got, I've got as, as, a, as a mother, you probably understand that if you lie in bed reading a book all day, your children will enter your day at some point. So <laughs> I know, I know. I'm sure they're there for you, Megan. And what about you, Peter? <laughs> I do love, love having them. If I had them lying in bed with me and we were all three reading books. <laughs> uh, for me, I don't know, yeah. I love getting outside and doing crazy things. I love um, going on adventures and so... Um, yeah, I, I like to run run a lot and so I'd probably spend a part of the day running uh, spend part of the day doing something as a family yeah, go, I don't know, just do something simple go and grab some lunch out at a park and just, yeah, explore Beautiful, simple and exploring I'll, I'll, I'll join you in on that one, Peter but um, guys, <laughs> like, thank you so much for, for coming on today I know that you've got the kids there and it, and it is really hard to kind of carve out some time. So I, I am really appreciative of that. And I'm, I'm really happy that you guys are willing to share your story because, you know, so many people want to do different things with their families and, and they, they hit so many hurdles, but to hear stories like yours, I just know that it's encouraging to people and people reach out to me all the time and say that. So thank you so much for giving me some of your time to, to really share your story. But if people want to reach out to you and if they have some questions or anything like that, what's the best way for them to do that? 
Um, probably through our email, richosrambles at gmail.com. Um, People can look at we, – we, we did a blog while we were away, and so if they want to read any stories, they can go onto our blog, which is just richosrambles.com. Um, but, yeah, send us an email. We'd love to kind of chat to people and – yeah, we'd love for other people to do the same thing. We really see yeah. the value of it. And so that's what we're all about, encouraging people to go outside their comfort zones and spend time with their family. Oh, happy days. Well, I will definitely make sure that all of those links are in the show notes at liveimmediately.com. But are there, are there any final words, any comments, anything that I've left out that you want to, uh, you want to mention before we part ways? I'd just say it's, it's possible to... Um, yeah, go away and spend an extended period of time with your family. So if at all possible for you, then go and do it because you won't regret it. Yeah. Beautiful. Go and make it happen. Well, Peter and Megan, thank you so much for coming on and thank you everybody for listening. And until next time, have fun and live immediately. That was another episode of the Live Immediately podcast with Mike Campbell. Thanks so much for listening. The original Live Immediately theme music is by the multi-talented Timothy McPhee. You can check out his music at firekites.bandcamp.com. If you enjoyed the show, had some fun, and maybe even learned something, then make sure you subscribe via iTunes. And while you're there, why not leave a rating and a review? You know it's going to make my day. Thanks for stopping by and giving me some of your time today. I'll catch you on the next episode. And until then, have fun and live immediately.